via recording, so there you go. All right. Assuming I can breathe. Tonight we're going to talk about God's uh, love, uh, or the love of God, and I want us to begin again in 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7 and 8. Last week we were in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 21. Lord, we praise you. Amen. All right. The first thing that I want us to kind of pick up on the statement that I made last uh, week to you, uh, that God is love. Love is God's essence, not simply his personality or his character. Love is certainly a part of his character. Love is certainly a part of his personality. But we read here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, that God is love. And he says, 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another. Y'all, all you youth back there are supposed to be loving one another, strengthening one another. Let, uh, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God. I think it's a bold statement. Um, but he says, He that does not love or he that loves not knoweth not God, for God is love. And uh, that's kind of our launching pad tonight. God is love. The essence of who God is, everything that, that uh, God does, every decision that God makes, every uh, motive within the heart of God has its foundation in love. Even judgment, correction, uh, reproof, rebuke, and all of those attributes of God that, that uh, bring... Uh, um, that bring correction or that bring instruction or that bring guidance or that bring discipline, all of those things, those are all rooted and grounded in love. So in this was love manifest. This is how love is manifested. The love, uh, the love of God toward us, the way that God manifested his love toward us, this is the way God shows love. He manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So he's saying the very essence of God's love, the very essence of who God is, the way that God said to himself, how do I show them that I love them? Oh, I know how to do that. I'll send Jesus. I'll send him to the cross. I'll let him die so that they can be redeemed. That's how God shows his love toward us. That's how love was manifested. The scripture says, Greater love has no man this, that he lay down his life for a friend. And then the scripture goes on and says, It's highly unusual, I'm paraphrasing, it's highly unusual that someone would die for a friend. How much more unusual it is that someone would die for someone with whom they had no relationship at all. And that's how God 
expressed his love toward us in that while we were enemies of God, while we were apart from him, while we did not know him, while we were separate from him, he was willing to come and die to redeem us and to bring us back. So while we were not his friend, while we were not his, uh, in a relationship with him at all, he came and he loved us in this way. This, it's interesting because the scripture says that marriage is, is like this, that the, the love between a man and a woman is to be a mirror image of how Christ loved his church. And he goes on and he says, and gave himself for it, guys. He loved us so much that he get, was willing to give himself, to give everything for this relationship. Jesus was willing to invest everything in a relationship with you. And he says that's how marriage is supposed to look. Guys, we're supposed to be willing to invest everything into that relationship with that uh, lady that the Lord has joined us to. So he says that he that loves not knows not God, for God is love. So the only way for you to know God is to recognize that God is love and then to let that love flow through you or move through you. He that does not love does not know God. So if you know anybody who just can't love, they need to meet Jesus. They need to have a relationship with God. They need to get to know God, for God is love. So there's some things I want to give you tonight. First of all, this one, God is love. The next, the next uh, thing is God is motivated by love. And then the third thing is God requires love. And the fourth thing is that God looks for love in the mature believer. And so I want to talk about those four things. We just kind of did the God is love thing there, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. So the next thing is God is motivated by love. I want to read Genesis um, chapter... One, I think, from the Message Bible, verse 11. No, the Message Bible, verse 26 through 28. Genesis 1, 26, 28. God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image. Let's make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth God created human beings he created them God-like little g God-like reflecting God's nature he created them male and female God blessed them listen to this God blessed them and said prosper reproduce fill the earth take charge be responsible for the fish of the sea and the birds of the air for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. And the reason that I wanted to read that, I want to read that in the couch of him being motivated by love. He loved us so much. And he said, let's make man in our image. I want to make human beings like me, make them reflecting my nature so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. Every animal that moves on the face of the earth, God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting his nature. He created them male and female, and then he blessed them. And the, the cool thing was in all of that is that every time God comes in relationship in, in, uh, re- throughout history, 
Every time God comes into relationship with mankind, Abraham, Moses, all those guys, you see this same pattern here. God blessed them. And every time that God comes into a relationship with a human being, he blesses them. It's, his mo- it's the motive of his heart. It's everything to him. When he comes to you, and you, when you come to Jesus, and you say, okay, God, I give up, I'm whatever, I'm messed up, I'm whatever this is, situation that I'm in, and I'm coming to you, and I come into relationship with you. God blesses. Immediately, God blesses that individual to come into the relationship with him. And then the other thing that God is motivated by love. The the entire motivation behind creation and behind all that we have going on today was the love of God. And then John 3.16, of course, you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I know that you probably got that memorized, um, but how that it bears repeating and how we need, our spirits need to hear, God so loved the world. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. God sat down in the beginning when he set this whole thing up and he said, had that whole passage that we read there in Genesis, let's make man in our image, let's create him in our likeness, let's set up this garden, let's lay out this plan. He knew that he was going to set them in the garden and he was going to give them a few guidelines and he knew that probably they were going to break those guidelines. And so from the foundations of the earth, Because of his love for you and me, he said, when they mess this thing up, I'm going to send Jesus. When they stumble and when they fall, I'm going to already make a way of escape. The scripture says that he makes a way of escape. And that's what Jesus was. He was a way of escape. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm not sure that we realize, it's been quite often that I have ministered to someone who was in um, a place of brokenness or where maybe they were, they were, were harboring injury or bitterness or frustration because of some terrible thing that happened to them in their past. And inevitably, when I would pray with them or when the Lord would speak to them, the Lord would say something along the lines of when that situation arose in your life, when that happened to you, my heart was broken. And I realized that because of God's great love for us, he, com- he calls us to himself. And he says, whosoever will may come, and not everybody will. And he says, everybody can come, and I'm standing here, and I'm available to everyone that will come to me, and I will get involved in their life, and I'll bring healing and and strength to them. But there's always that individual who refuses to come. And it's that individual who refuses to come, who inflicts pain or difficulty or hurt on someone else. And then the person who is injured says to God, why did you let this happen to me? And they live out, you know, seasons of frustration and sometimes they're angry at God and sometimes they're angry at 
the person that injured them and sometimes they're angry at the other people around them. And the reality of it is that God does not come and take us and force us to obey him. So it leaves the liberty for someone to abuse their opportunity that they have when to, and to abuse the liberty that they have at the expense of someone else. And so when something happens in your life that that is the result of another individual abusing their freedom and, and uh, bringing injury to you or bringing injury to your loved ones or whatever, the heart of God is broken. And he wishes that that didn't happen to you. And he wishes that all of that would uh, be different than it is. But because he has set parameters where he does not come in and take the will of another individual and force them to do what he wants them to do, they maintain the liberty to bring injury to others or to themselves. And so when they come and they bring injury, they steal from you, they uh, abuse you, they verbally uh, you know, mistreat you or, or whatever happens, God is sitting there and he's saying, man, I wish you wouldn't do that. I really wish you wouldn't treat that individual that way. I really wish you, you know, it breaks my heart that you're behaving the way that you're behaving. But he's not going to force himself into their life and make them comply any more than he's going to force himself into your life and make you comply. Because he said, whosoever will may come. All of that, even all of that garbage that we endure, exists because God loves us enough to allow us the liberty to come on our own. That's a powerful truth. So for the guy, for the abusive father or husband or the mistreating uncle or aunt or cousin or whatever, for all of those people in our extended family relationships and in our lives, uh, those bosses and employers and everybody else who does us so wrong at times and who mishandles their liberty and their freedom and their responsibility in our behalf and brings injury to us, the only one that God can deal with us on the issue is us. He can only deal with me about me. And, and the individuals who brought injury to my life or who frustrated me or who made me angry, I have to be able to forgive and release and let God go deal with him in his time and in his way. That's a very freeing word. But all of that, all of that, all of that is motivated out of the love heart of God. Just like you would not want God to come into your life and force you to walk with him or force you to do what's right or force you to make wise choices or force you to make good decisions. He will not go into the lives of others and manipulate their situation or their circumstance and force them into serving him, walking with him, treating others right, doing what so whenever so it's kind of inappropriate on one hand for us to go, God, why did you do this to me or did you let this happen to me? And he's standing there and his response to that is, When those things happened to you, my heart was broken. And I'm so sorry that those things happened to you. But let me heal you. Let me strengthen you. And let's get on from here. And let's walk in forgiveness and figure this thing out. So God is motivated by love. Then, God requires love. Sometimes, well, we've got to talk about the components of love here, I guess. Uh, John 13, 34. 
Let's talk about God requiring love. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I'm giving unto you, that you love one another. We're going to get into this more next week. This will be on some level. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So he's saying, here I am. The way that I have loved you is the example. I, I'm la- and this was before he's, he knew the example that was coming. He's going to the cross. He's laying down his life. He's dying for us. He's setting aside Godhood, living as a man in the earth, and uh, walking through all the trials and difficulties of life, and uh, pouring himself into them. And he says, I want you to love each other the way that I love you. So he says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you and that you, all, that you would also love one another by this. Now this is, this is why this is so important to him. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. All men will know that you're following me and that you're honoring and obeying what I'm teaching you. All men will know the example that the, the, example that the world is supposed to see from the believer is... All men will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So he's saying the the, the example that he wants the world to see is the love in the body. That's, That's what I think is so cool about this place and so cool about the relationships that are formed in this place and so cool about... And I love the... I love when the room is full. I loved it Sunday. There was standing room only and the overflow was full and there were people everywhere and it was wonderful. But I love this. The smaller, more intimate environments where we get eyeball to eyeball and where we get to talk to each other and get to know each other a little better and see each other a little more completely and interact with each other because the Jesus said, they'll know you follow me if you love Am I laying a good foundation for you? Taking your, I'm taking your thunder. Just do it again. <laughs> they'll know that you love me if you follow me. They'll know you love. They'll know you're following me if you love one another. Okay, and then uh, verse 22, uh, he said they they ask him a question. Matthew 22. I'm sorry. Matthew 22 and verse 36. They ask him a question, Master, which is a great. Uh, greatest commandment in the law. And I'm just going to break this down for you in a little bit out of Exodus. Jesus said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now let me just kind of unfold this for you in, in Exodus. The first four of the Ten Commandments have to do with man's relationship with God. Don't have any other gods before me, Sabbath day, you know, and so on. The first four commandments have to do with man's relationship with God. The other six have to do with man's relationship with man. Don't steal, don't covet, don't, don't mistreat one another, don't, you know, want your neighbor's wife and all this kind of stuff. So, Jesus broke it down. He said, here's four commandments that have to do with how man relates to God. Here's six commandments that have to do with how man relates to man. Here's two commandments that wrap it all up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, so on. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And he said, if you will do this, verse 40, on these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. So God requires love. Ten commandments are built around it. Right there. Right out the gate. When God gave those instructions to Moses on the mountain, the motivation was that we would learn to love one another. So now you have a foundation. Build on that. Okay. Then, so, wow, we're coming along real good. God is love. God is motivated by love. God requires love. And then where we'll spend the rest of our time tonight, God looks for love in the body of Christ. God looks for love in the people of God. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. 12 goes into all the spiritual gifts and all the stuff about how we function in the body. And he finishes that chapter in verse 31. He says, But covet earnestly the best gift, and yet I'm going to show you a more excellent way. It's nothing we haven't read before. Uh, but nevertheless, he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way, more than all the gifts, more than prophesying to someone, more than laying hands on the sick and then recovering, more than um, the gift of faith and the gift of healing and the gift of tongues and the gift of this and the gift of that, more than all those gifts. He says, let me show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into chapter 13, verse 1, and he says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, I don't care how eloquent I am. I don't care how much I know. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels and I do not have love, I'm just a gong. I'm just noise. So absent love. Here's the, here's the kicker. We just saw that God says to the, Jesus says to the disciples, the world's going to know that you're my disciples, that you're following me if you love one another. And then he comes down here and he says, the church, absent love, is just noise. The church in the earth, absent love, is just noise. And how many times, because we've not been motivated by love and because our framework of events that have taken place have not been framed in love that in the minds of the world all they've heard was noise. I mean, you can see it on the news when bad things happen within the framework of the church and the response is not a love response. Doesn't the world just go crazy with that? Because it's just noise. It's just noise. They're just like, oh, they're not for real. They're, just, they're, they're not, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just religion. It, doesn't, it has no foundation. They, they just get all mixed up in that because in their head, what they're hearing is our noise. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he hasn't changed the subject when he gets down to verse 11. He's talking about loving one another, and he says these great words. Verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, when I became mature, I put away childish things. God sees and views the mature believer as a believer who can walk in love. 
So as we mature in God, we're supposed to put away childish frustrations and childish infightings and childish not getting along and childish this, that, and the other things, and we're supposed to walk in love. Motivated in anything other than love, the motivation of anything other than love is immaturity. Everything that we set our hand to and everything that we can do with any um, kingdom benefit has got to be motivated by love. Um, so he says, uh, well, I want you guys to consider Romans chapter 12 and verse uh, 9 says this, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, honoring and preferring one another. And that word, let love be without dissimulation, that is a word that's used for an actor. It, the root is emulation. And he says, let love be without pretending. In other words, don't act like you, don't act like you love someone to their face and be dealing with feeling something different in your heart pretending while hiding your true feelings let love be without dissimulation don't if you're going to if you're going to be in the body and and walk among the body love one another emulate love don't be pretending that you love the people of God when you don't really and uh, don't be pretending that you're really friends when you're not. And don't be pretending that you really care when you don't. And it eventually comes out anyway, right? All comes out in the wash. Uh, so he says, uh, um, let love be without dissimulation or without pretending or hiding true feelings. Oh, Lord, grow us up to where we find a way. It is, it is really hard to articulate the love of God, it, it takes the help of the Holy Spirit. Believe me, we can't do this on our own. When we're put in a position where we've got to love someone who's not terribly lovely, you don't get to pick who walks through the door. God sends them. And uh, sometimes I'm not entirely lovable. And we find out that we're that that we have to we, we deal with each other. Iron sharpens iron. We knock the rough edges off of each other. We say things. We have to go apologize. We you know all that kind of stuff happens within the life of relationships. But love is supposed to be pure. And love the scripture says love never fails. We fail, and we fail love. But love never fails. So I'm going to just give you some scriptures. The last few minutes here of our time together. But anyway, verse 10 there, Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, he says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. And he tells us how to do it in honor, preferring one another. Wow. That's a different culture, preferring one another rather than preferring ourselves. I want to read some scriptures to you. I'm just, I, they almost preach themselves or teach themselves or whatever. It's kind of teaching night. God's love is characteristic of a mature believer. He's looking at us and maturing us in love. And so there's this, this whole host of scriptures 
It just goes on for pages, and I just selected several. We read in John, uh, we read earlier um, where Jesus said in John 13, he says it again in John 15, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He's the example. If ever you want to know what love looks like, he's the example. And then John 15, 17 says, These things I command you, that you love one another. And then we read Romans twelve ten, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honoring and preferring one another. Now, Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no man anything or any debt, but to love one another. He said that loving one another is a debt. We are indebted to each other to love. You, in our culture, we say, I, I don't owe him anything. My Bible says you do. I, I owe you, you owe me the debt of love. So he says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For, now we just read all this law stuff in Genesis or in Exodus. For he that loves another has fulfilled the law. Remember Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill it. That's what he was talking about. The law of God is fulfilled in love. Those ten commandments as the basis for the law of God is fulfilled in love. So he says, if you, want, if you love one another... You have fulfilled the law. And then Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. So what we were talking about earlier, that liberty. Only do not use liberty for an occasion to sin or for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So we've been called into liberty. Nobody's going to stop you. You can do whatever you want to do. So, if you can do whatever you want to do, he says, do this. Love one another. Um, Ephesians 4, 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. That means putting up with one another. That's exactly what forbearing means. Forbearing means you put up with me. You love me enough to put up with me with my mistakes, with my errors, with my frustrations. I love you enough to put up with you with your awkwardness or your silliness or your humor or your whatever, you know? We put up with each other. Benjamin puts up with me. The other way around, huh? So he says, forbear one another in love. So you put up with the, you have to, you and I have to, to mature as believers, we have to look at each other through the eyes of love and be willing to put up with each other's imperfections. What a body of Christ that would be if we could get to that place. Well, I don't want to be around those guys. They're just this, that, and everything. No, we put up with each other's imperfections in love. I love that. That's a good word. Forbearing one another in love. First Thessalonians 3.12 The Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. So he says, this is my prayer that the Lord would increase you in love. Well, we always ask for increase. But he says, I'm asking God to increase you in your love for one another. 
Let's see, how many more how many more of this do we want to go? A couple more here. Hebrews ten twenty four. Nope, nope, let's see. Okay. First Thessalonians four nine. But as touching brotherly love, he said to them, You need that that I write to you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. He said, I don't even need to talk to you about this. That's what he was saying to them in First Thessalonians 4. I said, I don't even need to talk to you guys about this. God's already taught you to do this. Love one another. You don't need that instruction from me. You've already got it from God. He was avoiding it. I don't have to go into that. And then Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider one another. Now this, I love this. Listen, listen, saints of God. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. We're supposed to be motivating each other to love. We're supposed to be looking for opportunities. We're supposed to be building one another up, encouraging one another, loving one another, build, uh, giving to one another, uh, blessing one another, encouraging one another with a word, with a prayer, with a song, whatever. We're supposed to be building one another up with, with, with um, resources, whatever it says here. And let us consider one another... So we're supposed to look at one another. We're supposed to think, hmm, how could I challenge and provoke, for instance, Charles? How could I encourage Charles to love more? How could I encourage uh, Melinda? How many times have we talked? And how, how can I encourage Melinda to, to love her Husband and her daughter, and to love that man into the kingdom. How can I encourage uh, uh, Benjamin and Pam to to build each other up and to love and to to encourage their relationship in their marriage and in their home life? How can I build and encourage? How can we? We're supposed to. He says, consider this. We're supposed to think about each other before the Lord and and in our quiet time and think, hmm, wonder if what I could do to encourage somebody to love more. I wonder what I could do to encourage someone to love deeper. I wonder what I could do to encourage someone in the body to be strengthened to love their, their children, their, their spouse, their, their family, their employer, whatever. So, am I getting all up in your stuff, Benjamin? Okay. Good, okay. Okay, First Peter one, First Peter one twenty two says, "Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently." Oh God, let if anything comes out of this eight weeks, let fervent love for one another come this place this this church these people oh my god how we have fallen in love with each other in this place how beautiful it is when i can't get everybody to shut up and sit down on sunday morning because they so want to visit and they want to talk and they want to encourage one another and how wonderful it is that people are being built up and that people are being loved on and people's lives are being changed because of love so he says, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. In other words, put some energy in it. First Peter 3.8 says, finally, 
be of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be uh, pitiful and be courteous. Be considerate. Be, be loving. Be just, mm, love as brethren. Okay. Let's see. In 1 John 3.23, he repeats some of what Jesus said back that we read in, in uh, John 13. In 1 John 3.23, he says this, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And he coupled these two things together, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. He's kind of coupled salvation and the love of the body all together. We should love one another. And then uh, we've already read 1 John 4, 7, so we won't go there again. But uh, 1 John 4, 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. He keeps using the example of the way God loved us, that we're supposed to love one another. So 1 John 4.12 says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. So he's pointing us to the maturing. The maturing. His love is perfected in us. And so um, God looks for love in the body as a mark of maturity. So he's looking for love in this body as a mark of maturity. He's looking for us to love one another fervently. He's looking for us to be deliberate about it. He's looking for us to find the opportunities to show it. He's looking for us to be willing to lay down our lives for one another in some very real and personal ways. He's looking at this body, the body of believers at Church of Living Water, and he's looking for love as a characteristic of a mature believer. So, tonight... We have learned that God is love. We've learned that God is motivated by love. We've learned that God, from the very beginning, requires love in commandments. We've learned that God looks for love in the body and that God's love is characteristic of a mature believer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for what we've learned. We thank you for the foundation that has been laid for the weeks that are ahead. We thank you for the challenge that we are sensing. We thank you for what you are doing in this place. Father, we pray for your blessing on your people. God, I ask that as we have looked at these words from your scriptures, that love would grow in this place, that love would be fervent in this place, that love would be passionate in this place, that love would be without dissimulation in this place, that love would not be uh, temporary or shallow, but it, it, it would come to a place of maturity in this place. And then I pray that as we study the word together, Lord Jesus, that your, your hand would be upon us. Father, I bless the youth tonight, and uh, I bless Pastor Chris and Rachel, Lord, bless them as they are uh, enjoying a little time of celebration. Father, I bless uh, the Timothy uh, gathering tonight, Pam and, and the ladies that are gathered around 
the word in, in Timothy tonight, Lord Jesus, in the, in the discipleship. And I pray that you bless them as they grow in you. And then, Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your hand would be upon the folks that are part of this body that, for one reason or another, were not able to be in this class tonight. Father, I pray for uh, Emmanuel and Sheba. Lord, just bless them in their body, and thank you for protecting them. They had a car accident this week, and, and you are with them, and they are safe. And, Lord, we ask that you would order their steps and keep them in the name of the Lord, we pray we give you praise. I need to give you guys an update. Sam asked me to ask you to continue to pray for Cecil. He is in Fresno Community, and they think they've just about got things figured out. He was having some difficulty with medication balances and such, and and they think they've about got that figured out. He's going to be coming home. And uh, then uh, Martha had a surgical procedure, and she went home from the hospital today, and she's doing well and was uh, in good spirits. And uh, so those are the people that you need to continue to hold up in prayer. And then ladies' prayer is tomorrow morning at 10, 10 a.m. And my wife was telling me tonight how excited she is that she looks forward to that tomorrow. And uh, the Lord bless you. Yes, there's going to be ladies' meeting Saturday here at 9.30, is it? 9.30, Continental Breakfast, and then they'll come in here for a time of ministry. And uh, that's whosoever will. All the ladies can come. I'll be here because I'm going to be doing some work. 